What is up, everyone? It is your boy, The Tank. It's Wednesday at noon, and I am here to talk to you about college and NFL football for the next hour on Weagle 91.1 FM. Let's not waste any time and get on with the show. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to Tank Talks Football here on Weagle 91.1 FM. And just to get started with the show, what a week of college football we had uh, this past Saturday. We had some big upsets, you know, looking at Iowa. We'll talk about them later on in the show. But, you know, we're I'm an Auburn student. I go to Auburn, which means I'm going to start off by talking about Auburn football. Auburn, I salute you. I predicted y'all to lose, and y'all proved me wrong. Y'all beat the Arkansas Razorbacks, a hat that I am currently wearing right now on my head, a Razorback hat. Uh, you beat them 38-23, to and you somehow did it without a run game. Don't know how that's possible. You never expect Auburn to win games without a run game, but they somehow poured it off this past week. Uh, Bo Nix played very well, I must say. It's probably one of his – I know it's a meme. It's been a meme all offseason. And at this point, it's no longer a meme. It's true. Bo Nix has improved this year under the new coaching staff. Will he be a dark horse for the Heisman? Maybe. We don't know just yet. The season's not over yet. Uh, it'd be really funny if he did come out and win the Heisman. Just come out, somehow beat out Bryce Young and Matt Corral and all them. But you know what? Next year, put some money on Bo Nix maybe with this coaching staff. Uh, stats on the game, he had 21 of 20, of 26, only through five incompletions, uh, 292 yards, two touchdowns, and an interception. He was also Auburn's second leading rusher with on five carries for 42 yards and one rushing touchdown. That's about, what, eight point something yards a carry, which is pretty dang good for a quarterback, I must say. Uh, this is probably one of Bo's best performances on the road yet. I know we said this against Penn State, and I... I almost said again, not against Georgia. We weren't. We were here for Georgia, but yeah, great game for Bo Nix. And I alluded to it a little bit earlier, talking about how Auburn somehow won this game without a run game. Uh, Auburn's running backs, none, neither one of them, averaged more than four yards a carry. Tank Bigsby, eighteen carries, sixty-eight yards, and a touchdown. That is three point eight yards per carry. Jarquez Hunter, a freshman who is, I think, is in the lead right now for SEC Freshman of the Year. I could be wrong. I think Britt Bowers from Georgia might take that away from him. But, you know, uh, Jarquez got 10 carries for 27 yards. And for all you math geeks out there, that is an easy 2.7 yards per carry. I don't know how Auburn was able to win this game without running the ball. I mean, I, you hear it every week that Brian Harson said he's going to establish a run game early. And over the past few weeks since Penn State, I've not been able to see a run game from this team. Uh, and you're looking at the Arkansas side of things. KJ Jefferson is—he played out of his mind. I mean, I have my uh, QB power rankings. I'll probably post that later on, either today or tomorrow, an updated version of those. But KJ is still in my number three spot. I think he played very well. I think he, especially that one jump pass he did at the uh, in the fourth quarter. What a great play! He is athletic. Uh, I know his nickname is Baby Cam. But honestly, he plays like it. I think it's a great nickname for him because I mean he's built just like Cam. I think he's like six foot four, six foot five ish, about two forty, two fifty. 
So, yeah, he's around that same kind of speed, uh, same kind of uh, size, defensive end at quarterback. And uh, Auburn was able to not really shut him down, but they were able to bend but don't break enough to uh, win the game by, what's that, 15? So, great overall win for Auburn. Huge win. Got it. Auburn is now back in the top 25 at 19 because of this win. Arkansas was, of course, at, I want to say 17 or 15, somewhere around there. They were uh, in some kind of range. But, yeah, moving on, we have uh, going to the Big 12. We have Oklahoma State beating the Texas Longhorns. Somehow, Texas was the uh, favorite to win this game, even though they were the lower-ranked team. Uh, Oklahoma State came out and... Uh, won the game 32-24. to 24. But I must say, if when Auburn didn't have a run game, at least Oklahoma State and Texas had one because their running backs went off. B. John Robinson, you, everyone mo- will know who B. John Robinson is. He is a star running back. He's one of the best running backs in the country. He is in the top five, I believe, right now in the Heisman odds. I have the update list somewhere. I'll have to look at it later. But I think he's in the top five. And uh, he had 21 carries for 135 yards and two touchdowns, averaged 6.4 yards per carry. And Oklahoma State's running back on the other side of things had 33 carries for 193 yards, averaging 5.8 yards per carry. Did not get a touchdown, though. So, I mean, it kind of hinders the stat line, but played pretty dang good. Uh, This makes Oklahoma State one of two teams in the Big 12 that are still undefeated, them and their in-state rival, Oklahoma, who has just found their new quarterback. And honestly, without spending – no one would expect this any other way, but Spencer Rattler was the weak part of this Oklahoma team. Once Caleb, William go, Caleb Williams goes in, this team is now a CFP contender. Spencer Rattler, of course, was holding this team back. They never lost a game, but they it feels like they should be like 1-5 and five at this point. I mean, they, they have almost lost so many games this year because of Spencer Rattler. Uh, and his inability to make plays when he needs to. I mean, he's not he was not playing terrible, but he wasn't playing great. He was not playing like the, you expect the number one quarterback in the college football like spectrum to play. And it just was a bad – it's been a bad year for him so far. I mean, he fell – he went from Heisman favorite, number one overall pick favorite, to not even in the race. Even Caleb Williams has two games is probably in the race right now. And I don't think Spencer Rattler is considered to be a top, like, 15 pick in this upcoming draft. Uh, I think that right now the number one quarterback is Carson Strong from Nevada, who had a very good showing this past week against, I forgot who they played. You know, I started off with the stat line, and I lost it. That's always fun, you know. But uh, Carson Strong has been a great quarterback. He's making plays. He is the for sure QB1. I would have said Malik Willis, but after – what I'm seeing from Liberty, they if they are the one, they are a one team wonder. I know this is a weird tangent to go from Oklahoma State, Texas to Liberty. If no one saw the game, Liberty had just lost to the ULM Warhawks, 31 to 28. Malik Willis, I think, had two, three interceptions, I believe, which is terrible. Uh, he was also the team's leading rusher. He is clearly the only strand of offense this team really has. Of course, Liberty has is isn't going to be your typical like SEC caliber talent on the team, or that's not going to be your typical uh, just Power Five talent. But Malik Willis needs some help on that team. Once he's able to, uh, if he gets some help, I know he's probably going to leave it this year. If he got, if he had any like offensive help on this team, they'd be very good and probably ranked at some point. They'd probably be undefeated. I mean, they've lost to Syracuse and of course ULM, which is dwindling return of 
how good those teams are. But to go back on the Oklahoma State-Texas thing, uh, uh, Oklahoma and OSU are the last remaining undefeated teams, as I said, in the Big 12. But a surprising team has entered the ring. The Baylor Bears are only 6-1. and one. Their one loss, uh, the, they're just right there at third place, and they have just beaten the number 19 at the time, BYU Cougars. Uh, they beat them 38-24. to 24. Uh, And as of right now, as of 12.08 on October 20th, I am removing BYU from my most improved li- uh, teams list, or most Im- the teams that have most impressed me this year. Because they started off so well, and then they just fell off a horse. They just fell right off of it. They lost to Boise State last week, and they lost to Baylor this week. And as right now, I'm just not with them. I think this is a terrible loss for them. And uh, back on the Auburn statement, BYU could not run the ball. They had 67 yards as a team. Whilst the Baylor, two, two Baylor running backs went off. Abram Smith had 27 carries for 188 yards, three touchdowns, seven yards of carry. Treston Ebner, backup. He was also the punt returner. 11 carries, 95 yards, 8.6 yards of carry. They had two guys on Baylor that had more yards than BYU's entire team. In today's world, offense is key, and you also must be able to run the ball. Running the ball is such a key part of offenses nowadays, and it's really funny considering how the NFL and college football works is the fact that in uh, in the NFL, running backs are so disposable nowadays. In college football, running backs matter. If you don't have a good running back, your team is not going to do much in the league or in college. Like, if you look at Texas, they have B. John Robinson, and they're able to run the ball, but... Uh, and he keeps them in games most of the time. And it's like when I said with Auburn, I'm like, I'm shocked they won the game without running the ball very well. And, of course, you see with BYU, they were not able to win the game because they were not able to run the ball. The running backs in college football are so important in today's game that if you don't have a, a running back who can statistically get you over 100 yards rushing or 200, 120 yards rushing every game, you're not going to be a great team. I mean, I'm trying to think of more running backs, but Michigan State – they came out of nowhere. No one expected Michigan State to be as good as they were, and that's strictly because Kenneth Walker has been running over people. I mean, the last game he didn't have that great of a game, uh, but over he's the leading rusher after a bad game. He still is. I mean, he has been running over folks, and he has kept them in the race for the Big Ten right now. I mean, they're ranked in the top. I think they're ranked in the top ten right now because of that. And they're, I mean, they're not overtly a great team. Mo Tucker has got them where he wants them to be right now, but – Kenneth Walker is the key piece to that Michigan State team. And the, so the battle for the Big 12 is Oklahoma State, Baylor, and Oklahoma, but only if Oklahoma's Caleb Williams at quarterback. Right now, I think Oklahoma is the favorite to win. I mean, I think Oklahoma State right now is not as good as probably we think they are. They've just been able to win games close, which is a good good thing to do, or a good thing to – good kind of uh, talent to have. And Baylor. I would love to see Baylor win, honestly. But uh, or Oklahoma State, I would love Gundy to finally win the Big Twelve because I think he's done that, and either and he hasn't done that recently at least, or in the, I don't think he's done that in the past decade. I think Oklahoma and Texas have ran it for so long. But talk about the pack, Big Twelve enough. Time to move on to our friends out. Make sure I get this right. Out west with the Pac Twelve, Utah, Arizona State, Pac Twelve after dark. Utah won thirty-five to twenty-one. Cameron Rising, I I made this a thing to talk about strictly because I want to say my pun again. Cameron Rising is on the rise. 21 of 33, 247 yards, two touchdowns. 
He also had two picks, but you know what? No one looks at that. Six carries, 59 yards, touchdown, average 9.8 yards per carry. Cameron Rising is slowly becoming one of my favorite quarterbacks in the Pac-12. I have in my top five Pac-12 quarterbacks that I talk about on my Benchwarmers podcast that I have on my uh, good buddy Bark. Uh, we post it every Monday. But on th- this show, I can talk about Utah as much as I want because I love the Utes. And you know what? They beat uh, Arizona State. They should be ranked in the, at least in the top, like at least in the 20 to 25 range after beating a number 18 team. But right now the back 12 is very open. Oregon has not been playing up to their talent level and among other things. Uh, UCLA has been kind of iffy at times. Arizona State's been iffy at times. Stanford's been iffy at times. The, the Pac-12 race is completely open. I know in the SEC it seems like – I think the SEC is probably one of the only ones that has a for sure top two teams that are going to be competing. Every other Power 5 conference is wide open because everyone in the SEC knows it's going to be Bama, Georgia. Everyone, no, But no one else is going to have in the ACC where it's Wake Forest and Pitt right now as the top two spots. I think the Big Ten, it's uh, it's not Iowa. I think it's Penn State, and uh, I can't think – Ohio State should be up there. Iowa probably is still in the race at some point. Uh, but in the Pac-12, it's between maybe Oregon and then maybe like uh, Utah, maybe for all that. I, I can't remember exactly what the Pac-12 is like lined up and the Big Ten is lined up. But yeah, uh, let's see. I don't think I have enough time to get to LSU, but uh, I can probably skip ahead. No, I cannot. Uh, I'll go to I'll go to a quick break real quick, and when we come back, I'll talk LSU, Florida, and Coach O. And, of course, that Tennessee Ole Miss trash game. We'll be right back. Welcome back to Tank Talks Football here on Weagle 91.1 FM. If you missed what we talked about before, we just talked about some of the games that happened. Of course, Auburn, Arkansas, Oklahoma State, Texas, and Baylor, BYU. <coughs> Sorry about that. If you missed any of that, make sure you catch the podcast after. I'll, I have a class right after this, but the podcast will be up around 2.30-ish, maybe, hopefully. And you can catch that wherever you get your podcasts. Now, we're going to move on to the two SEC games that I found the most intriguing from this past week. LSU-Florida. LS and, of course, Tennessee Ole Miss. I'll get to that later. But LSU somehow beats Florida 49-42. A strange game. Uh, I'm going to talk about Florida first because you know, LSU got my award of the week. Uh, Emory Jones is not the answer at quarterback for Florida. I know that Dan Mullen has just said a little bit earlier before I can – few minutes before I started the show, that they he is not committed to a quarterback just yet. They have a bye week before they have to play Georgia uh, on the – what's that? The I don't know what day it is, but the 29th, I believe. I think it's the 29th or 30th, somewhere around that line. But, yeah, Georgia, and they don't have a quarterback just yet. And I, I mean, you look at the stat line, and it's an easy choice for anyone else but Dan Mullen, apparently. Uh, Emory Jones on this, against uh, LSU, 12-19 for 161 yards, one touchdown, two picks. And for a guy who's mobile, he's only he only he had 10 carries, 16 yards. That's 1.6 yards per carry for a dual-threat quarterback. That is, that is very like the Penn State quarterback last week who could not do anything. And, of course, you look at AR-15, or his real name is Anthony Richardson, freshman or redshirt freshman, one of the two. He went 10 of 19 for 167 yards, three touchdowns, two picks. But he also had seven carries for 37 yards and a touchdown, 5.3 yards per carry. 
I feel like this is an easy choice between which quarterback you should go with in, into the Georgia game or into this week of practice. Anthony Richardson has been able to move this offense ever since he's been like the obvious QB2. I think you should go in this week with him at QB1. You let him run with the ones, and you let Emory Jones sit there and improve. This is like what we were wanting with TJ Finley and Bo Nix. It's like we wanted TJ Finley to force Bo Nix to get better, and it worked. There's no reason that this shouldn't work either if Emory Jones is as good of a quarterback as he has been advertised before this season. And fun. I could rant about this all week, I mean, or all day, because I just don't think Emory Jones is that good of a quarterback. He was ranked so highly. He's supposed to be a top – some people had him at a top four pick in the draft. I don't see it. He's talented, yes. Is he a good quarterback? No. I think he's he probably – it's like a DeCarion Joyner kind of situation at South Carolina where I think he's talented enough or athletic enough to where I think he can switch positions and be fine. But I just don't think quarterback is his position that he should be playing right now. And moving on LSU, LSU was down so many players this week. They were out. Eli Ricks, Derek Stingley, and, of course, their wide receiver, Kayshawn Butte, which didn't seem to matter for that offense, losing Kayshawn Butte. Uh, Max Johnson had still had three touchdowns. He had 133 yards. But the key to this game was LSU's run game, which has been dormant for so long. It uh, uh, looks back at, like, the 2019 season where they had a run game. But... You know my award. It's my third installment of my dog of the week. My best player from week seven is LSU running back Tyrion Davis-Price. 36 carries, 287 rushing yards, three touchdowns, average eight yards per carry. What a game from a guy who has not been playing well all season. I mean, LSU finally got a run game against Florida. I don't know how long it's going to last, but I'm going to give him this award starting right now because, I mean, he was the rushing leader of everyone, the entire nation in Week 7. He had a great game, I and he had a long of like 40 yards. He was tearing up Florida's defense. They were not able to stop him the entire game. And I don't know what it is because he, is, he has not been able to make plays like that or make runs like that all season. So good on him. And now we're going to talk about the, the game all of us know about. Tennessee Ole Miss. I'll get about – I know Coach O is also happy, but I'll get Coach O after talk about this because I need to get this over. Uh, Tennessee Ole Miss. Ole Miss wins 31-26. Both quarterbacks were the leading passers and the leading rushers. Matt Corral, 231 yards passing, 195 yards rushing. Hendon Hooker had 233 yards passing, 108 yards rushing. But none of that matters because the biggest headline of this game was the Tennessee students slash fans throwing trash onto the field. you got golf balls. you have bottles of mustard. There were beer cans on the on the ground after. There was a 20-minute delay before uh, this, or during, uh, after this. There was a 20-minute delay of everyone to get the trash out of the field and escorting people out of the stadium. Uh, SEC officiating has been bad. The reason they got mad was it was a fourth down and like 20-something. Tennessee got 26 yards on it. It was clear and obvious that it wasn't a first down. But earlier in the game, there was a scoop and score where they strip-sacked uh, Matt Corral, but they called forward progress on the fumble, so he just got sacked, and they didn't count the fumble, which it was clear and obvious that he fumbled the ball. And I'm not saying that one play can change the outcome of a game, but that one play probably could have. And The SEC, of course, fined Tennessee $250,000 and are arresting people who have thrown trash. 
I say everyone can agree with me on this. The officiating has been terrible this season. Like it happened against Auburn. The lazy targeting calls because I feel like the targeting it's a good penalty. I feel like you should look out for player safety, but I think their manner of doing it. I mean, they never have a consistent way of calling it, and they also don't really call the same. Ta- if it's the same tackle, one person will call it targeting, the other person won't. There's no clear and obvious way of what targeting really is in today's football world. But that's the officiating has been terrible this season. I think officiating in general has been bad. Because, I mean, that was a clear and obvious fumble, and that should have been a touchdown for Tennessee that got taken away in the first quarter. And, I mean, you can look back at the Auburn game on against Arkansas. Jarquez Hunter fumbled the ball, and they called him – they called forward progress again, and he just got – Auburn just got the ball back, which made absolutely no sense to me. And I'm an Auburn fan. I was rooting for Auburn. Even though I picked Arkansas, I was rooting for Auburn to win. And the fact that he fumbled the ball and Arkansas didn't get it, and Arkansas, uh, the official football page for Arkansas, even posted a picture of that fumble. And like they got a clear and obvious picture of him fumbling the ball, but I don't know how they didn't call it that. But to move back to LSU, going to move on to more news. Uh, Sunday, LSU announced that after this season, they will mutually part ways with Coach O. Uh, I have been calling this. And I feel like many people have been calling this this season. This is going to be the last season for Coach O at LSU, which no one should be really, really be shocked by, uh, because I mean, he's not he's not that good of a coach. Uh, he ne- he never was that good of a coach. I feel like he, everyone knows that him and Joe Brady kind of got carried by their teams. Uh, and looking at uh, uh, there's some fans that I've had to experience to say that. They don't want Coach O to leave. They feel like uh, that he's a great coach. But, I mean, Coach O is a great character in the game. He's a bad coach. He does not make players around him better. I feel like everyone – you can attribute a lot of what happened in 2019 with the fact that Joe Brady and Joe Burrow were just the right place, right time, got it done, became one of the best teams of all time. It became a one-year wonder, of course. Coach O is just not is not is not the answer for LSU, and many fans don't agree with that. I have a list of my top five coaching candidates I think could help LSU out. I'll go from five to one because I thought that's probably the correct way to do this. At five, I have Urban Meyer. I feel like he, he's not cut out for the NFL, and he probably really wants a college gig. I, he's the head coach for the Jaguars. They just currently won their last game or their first game, and I think that he's. He does not get. The, he does not have the respect of any of his players. Uh, four. I have Mario Cristobal, head coach for the Oregon Ducks. Uh, he is back-to-back Pac-12 championships, and he's a great recruiter from out west. I think he could really help this team out, get some good recruits, and bring a winning mentality back to LSU. At three, I have Billy Napier, head coach of the Louisiana Lafayette Raging Cajuns. His name is always thrown around when uh, D1 school or not D1, a Power 5 school head coaching job gets open. So, I mean, I felt like I had to put him on this list in some way, shape, or form. Uh, at two, I have James Franklin, head coach for Penn State. I think that he's not going to be Penn State's coach at the end of the year. I feel like he's going to go somewhere else. And I feel like it's going to be a bidding war between LSU and USC. Uh, at one, I have my Carolina Panthers' offensive coordinator, Joe Brady, the former offensive coordinator at LSU in 2019 that led them to that national championship. I think that, for one thing, I'm a Panthers fan, so I kind of I'm okay with this. He has his play calling has been terrible at Carolina, 
especially after Christian McCaffrey got hurt. He has just been trying way too much. He's been getting rid of the – he does not want to run the ball, it seems like, with Chuba Hubbard. So I'm okay with him leaving. I think LSU fans are A-OK with him coming to LSU to be their head coach. I think this is a great call. I, or I think this would be a great hire for them uh, for the most part. And speaking of head coaching vacancies, Washington State just fired – not just fired. They fired their second-year head coach, Nick Rolovich, for refusing to get vaccinated, even though it was state-mandated. Uh, he has announced today, actually, that he will be taking legal action for what happened to him. He feels like he was wrongly fired. And, I mean, there's an argument to be made for both sides. I feel like if they're going to mandate it, you probably should get it. And I feel like he also has that choice to decide if he wants to do that or not. His body, his choice. He deserves to have that opportunity to decide if he wants to get vaccinated or not. But it's not his choice. If he doesn't, he must because they'll come to the consequences. I feel like nothing's really going to come out of this. I feel like he's still going to get financially compensated at some point just to keep him quiet. But he's not getting his job back because, I mean, it's been mandated. He chose not to get it. He must suffer the consequences of not getting it when everyone has already, whenever the the most of the team has probably already gotten it as well. Yeah, uh, we're coming up on a break in four minutes. I'll see if I can quickly talk about number two Iowa getting embarrassed this past week. Uh, Purdue unranked. I think they played in Iowa. I think uh, came in and beat them twenty four to seven. What a game by the Boilermakers. Uh, David Bell, wide receiver for the Purdue. He was out for a few games, but he came he, – He's play, I think he played last week too. But I know he was injured at some point. But he had himself a day against this Iowa defense that we all thought was really good. Uh, 11 catches, 240 yards, and a touchdown. 240 yards on a defense that most people thought could rival Georgia's at some point. But – I think the whole key to this is we found out that Iowa has a huge weakness for their team and the fact that their offense is terrible. As I said before, this is an offensive league, and with without a good offense, they're not going to go far in today's world. And Iowa's QB, I did not write his name, but he, had, he threw four interceptions against Purdue, which you're playing against an unranked team. You're the number two team in the nation. You should have handled Purdue if you're as good as you say you are especially after you kind of got saved by the fact that John Clifford got hurt last week for Penn State. And you just thought Purdue would just walk into your stadium and shut down your offense and embarrass your defense. And it's just a bad look for Iowa, especially because they were the team that was supposed to win the Big Ten. I thought they were a for sure lock for that CFP spot if they could beat Ohio State, who's on the rise right now. But Iowa has now fallen, I think, nine spots. They fell to 11th, and they brought Purdue back into uh, the, the rankings. Uh, Purdue's wide receiver, he could make a good case for that Blitnikoff award at the end of the year. But Iowa, you need to figure out your offense, man. I mean, Iowa State, they have not – their rival has not been that great. They've been okay, but, I mean, they have a – they can at least move the ball on offense. They have – both Brees Hall and Brock Purdy, both veterans who have been able to help this team win games. I mean, a, def- a great defense is one thing, and if this was like 2012, you you probably would have won this game. But the fact that this is 2021, this is an offensive game. If you can't score a lot of points, you're not winning a lot of games. And scoring seven points and, you're, and giving up 24, it's not a good look for Iowa. I think that they've probably fallen out of the Big Ten race for me. I think this is going to be between 
uh, it's probably be between Michigan and Ohio State right now, or Michigan State if they can pull off some big wins. But I think the game, I'm gonna say with air quotes because I don't think it's that great of a rivalry right now. But I think that decides who wins the big, big, uh, Big Ten this year. I feel like I'm saying Big Twelve, but I think that's who decides the Big Ten this year. We're coming up on a break, and when we come back, I will start my discussion on NFL Week Six. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the back half of Tank Talks Football uh, here on Weagle 91.1 FM. We're going to start our talk about the NFL of Week 6, the biggest headlines that I found very interesting going into this week. I'm going to start off with, I'm going to rant a little bit about the Carolina Panthers a little bit. What, we had a very, we had a good defense up until Week 4. What happened? (laughs) We got no pressure on Kirk Cousins. I I was at work when I was watching this game. I watched overtime. I wasn't able to watch the whole game. But I saw that we came back and we almost could have won. Of course, Vikings, we got overtime. And NFL overtime is the worst thing ever created by anyone. I don't know who thought that NFL overtime was a good idea. Uh, Vikings get the ball first. And, of course, they go down the field and score. Carolina got absolutely no pressure on Cousins. And the coverage was terrible. And we just got Stephon Gilmore going into last week so that we got him over a trade. And, you know, at this point, just force him in the lineup. Just please force him in the lineup. Dante Jackson is a great corner. He just needs some help. J.C. Horn is out for the year, I believe, or at least until playoffs maybe. But please, let's get Stephon Gilmore in that starting lineup right now. Please. And to move on to other teams. The Cleveland Browns are – most of their team right now is probably in the hospital recovering. They are going to be out so many players before they play the Broncos on Thursday Night Football this week. Or, you know what, tomorrow. Not Thursday Night, just tomorrow. Uh, just to list off some people that they are out, they're going to be out Baker Mayfield, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb, Odell Beckham Jr., and their left and right tackle, Jack Conklin, and Jedrick Willis Jr., that is a huge rip because I mean right now I can't I can't name who the running back would be. I'll talk my head, but I do know they announced that Case Keenum will be the starter for the Browns against the Broncos. Which I mean, if you look back at Case Keenum a few years ago, back when the Vikings were really good, he was good. But he then had a very steady, quick, fast uh, ninety degree angle decline, and has not been good since. Uh, I think the Browns were looking good. I don't know how these injuries are going to pan out right now, but I think that that the if they don't get most of their players back right now, they're going to lose some games. I mean, right now Nick Chubb is on my fantasy team, and I don't know how long he's going to be out. I'm thinking about trading him, honestly. It's on the I'm on the verge. I mean, someone just offered to trade him for me, but I don't want to. I don't want to give him any leeway. Uh, and to move on to the Chiefs. Washington football team uh, game. Uh, this was the game where they – I'm not even talking about the game, really. This is a game where they were retiring Sean Taylor's jersey. It was a big uh, ceremony. They had a, they had his number painted on the field, chained off, and they let people take pictures with it. One of these people is named Jackson Mahomes, who many people who have TikTok will know who he is. He is uh, he's a TikTok dancer who is also the little brother of – uh, quarterback Patrick Mahomes, and he was allowed to take pictures on it. He was taken that way, but I, I don't think it's the fact that he took a picture on the number that bothers me the most. It's the fact that 
they let him do TikTok dances on Sean Taylor's number, which is so disrespectful to uh, Sean Taylor's family, everyone that was there to support them, the uh, football, the Washington's fans, everything. I, and he came out and apologized, but it, he he did it anyways. No, no one in their right mind can look at what he did and just be and just be okay with just a simple. I mean, he yes, he apologized, but I mean, he did it anyway. It's not gonna. He deleted all of it, but I mean, it doesn't matter. It's on the internet. Everyone has seen it. I mean, I don't get Patrick Mahomes' wife is like the same way where they just do these dumb things on social media. And it just makes Patrick Mahomes look worse. I mean, people probably, a lot of people hate Patrick Mahomes because of his wife and his little brother. And people were making jokes saying he should probably do the Aaron Rodgers thing and just stop talking to his family in general, which I honestly might help him out in some cases. But, you know, I'm not going to spend all my time on this. So we move on to some good news. The Jacksonville Jaguars, uh, Trevor Lawrence and Urban Meyer get their first win of the season in London, England to uh, uh, over the uh who they play? Of the Miami Dolphins. They played the Miami Dolphins. I think it was 23-20 was the score. I didn't write it down. But I'm going to spend some of my time talking about the Dolphins. Y'all, Tua Tungavaloa is a bust. He is not who the Dolphins need to get to the They had 10 wins last year. And they were supposed to be on the rise into this year, but it seems like uh, Tua Tua just is not the answer at quarterback. They should really look into getting either a new quarterback in the in the free agency or trade, or try to get one of these big question marks for the NFL draft. Because I don't know where their pick would be. Right, they're one in five, so I thought they're going to have at least a top ten pick. But I feel like Sam Howell, Malik Willis, all of those guys are probably going to be available whenever they have their pick. They should desperately look into getting one of these quarterbacks. And, you know, I might even go into my one of my other segments I have going on where I think Cam Newton is probably someone that you should probably be looking at if you're the Dolphins or if you're the Steelers or the Seahawks or the Falcons. Uh, these teams that are have good rosters, but their quarterback is just holding them back in some way. Of course, the Seahawks have Russell Wilson, but he's injured for another th- four weeks, I believe, somewhere around there. Where Geno Smith's gonna be correct, just get him in there, let him play. Because I mean, I I trust Geno Smith, I trust Cam Newton more than I trust Geno Smith, and I trust Cam Newton a whole lot more than I trust Big Ben or Matt Ryan. And and today's world, those guys were good five years ago, but they're not anymore. And right now, I think you should. I think Ryan Fitzpatrick was the best quarterback on the Dolphins last year. I feel like you should give Tua that chance to learn behind a vet, if you want him to be your QB of the future. If you don't want to look like you just completely busted on a uh, you've completely messed up on a top five pick uh I think Cam Newton is definitely someone that the Dolphins should look into signing to make sure that tank uh to make sure that Tua is able to improve like uh you want him to and you know and I won't spend too terribly long on this because I, I just but Cam Newton has just came out and said that he is vaccinated and he wants to play I mean give him that opportunity this is a guy who has won an MVP trophy. He is not – he is just past his 30s. I think he's like 32 now, 33, somewhere around there. I mean, he still has some good years left. I mean, he he has just won – he won a MVP not too long ago, and he was still in his prime up until he was starting getting hurt. That's mostly because the fact that the Carolina Panthers' front office is just terrible. 
you get it, or it was terrible. You get at one of these teams right now that have one of these good front offices, like maybe the Dolphins, who maybe would make like big trades, or you get him to the the Steelers and get him around like the their players. I think they immediately turn into contenders in either the divisional part of things or at least in the playoff race. I think he should is definitely a player that you should be looking into if you're one of these teams. And uh, keeping up with the quarterback situation, uh, Lions quarter uh, head coach Dan Campbell, uh, first year coach, he was the he was some kind of coordinator at the Saints. I feel like uh, he just called out Jared Goff saying he needs to play better, which. People were like saying, "Oh, you shouldn't say that. That's a little rude, isn't it?" And like, he needs to play better. You traded your uh, franchise quarterback for this guy, for a younger guy, and he's been in the Super Bowl. He's not playing like he's been in the Super Bowl before. He's playing very poorly. He needs to step up his game just a tad bit. And you know, at this point, the Lions they just need a win. They just need some kind of morale boost. They need at least a win. And I don't know who they're playing. This week, I feel like they're not. I feel like they're playing. Oh, wait. No, I know they're playing. They're playing Matthew Stafford and the Rams this week. So, I mean, he, he needs to step up. But, I mean, they're not going to win this week. But they, he should at least start playing a little bit better than what he has been giving the Detroit Lions. And with that, I'm going to move on to my predictions for week seven. I have, let's see, five, seven games to pick from or to pick. Uh, for uh, starting off with the game tomorrow at the Broncos at the Browns or what's left of the Browns Cleveland is somehow a two-point favorite but you know they're down so much more players than what I named they're just the big names that I had said I'm gonna pick the Denver Broncos here I think the Broncos their health is the key to this game and I feel like they can somehow pull out a pull out a very close win so I'm gonna go with the Denver Broncos here and we're going to the Sunday games. We have Chiefs at Titans. Kansas City is a five-and-a-half-point favorite. But you know what? I'm going to go with the Tennessee Titans. I think they've been playing very well lately. I feel like the Chiefs have not. I think this is a prime opportunity for the Titans to, well, they've already won their division because their division sucks. But I feel like this is a key opportunity for them to make a, make a push for that top playoff spot. I mean, the playoff race is every week at this rate. Uh, then we have the Bengals. At Ravens, this is a battle for the lead in the AFC North, I believe. But I'm going to go with the Ravens here. The Ravens are favored by six. I thought the Bengals could make a make, could make this a very good game because I felt like they've been playing very well recently. But like the Ravens have been playing slightly better. Uh, then we have the Panthers at Giants. I'm only doing this because I'm a Panthers fan, but I'm going with my Panthers. They're a three-point favorite, and I don't think the Giants are all that good. I just hope our defense can step up and stop Saquon Barkley. Or what? What if he's even playing? I feel like he's—is he still injured? I have no idea. But I feel like the Panthers should be able to win this game, especially if we can get Stephon Gilmore into the into the starting lineup uh, this week. Then we have the Jets at Pats. I I put this game on here not because it's a good game, but because it's the battle of some rookie quarterbacks: Zach Wilson versus Mac Jones. I'm going to go with Mac Jones. I feel like the pa- Patriots are the better roster. I feel like they have the better coaching staff. I feel like they're just a better team overall. I thought it was kind of an easy choice to go with the Patriots here, so I'm going to go with them. And then we have Sunday Night Football, the Colts at San Francisco 49ers. The Niners are a four-point favorite. And you know what? I'm going to go with the Niners. I feel like the Colts have been playing good recently. But so have the Niners. I feel like better defense. You know what, actually? I'm going to go with the Colts. I think the Colts are a better team. I think that 
they've been on the rise lately, even though San Francisco has been on, on one too. I just think quarterback-wise, I think Wentz is actually a better quarterback than Garoppolo to me right now. So, yeah, I'm going to go the Colts. Then, finally, I have Monday Night Football, Saints at Seahawks. We have Jameis Winston traveling to meet Geno Smith. The Saints are a five-point favorite. I'm going to go with Jameis Winston here. Last week, I picked the Seahawks to beat the Steelers just because I wanted to make uh, Mr. Harrison Tarr upset. But he didn't even watch the game, so I'm not going to give the Seahawks another another pick there. Especially because they should have won that game, but there's key mistakes. Like DK Metcalf, who I just got into some beef with at Hall of Famer and Shannon Sharp. I don't know what makes DK think he's that good to call out Shannon Sharp, the three-time uh, three time Super Bowl winning tight end, who's also in the Hall of Fame, which at this rate, DK's not making the Hall of Fame. He's not as good as people think he is. Or as good as – no, not as people think he is. He's not as good a receiver as he thinks he is. Yeah, that's a better statement. But, yeah, we're coming up on a break. When we come back, I will go into my week eight college football predictions. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the last segment of Tank Talks Football here on Wiggle 91.1 FM in Auburn. We're going to go on to my Week 8 college football predictions. I picked 10 of these terrible games. Uh, if you don't know that, there's not a single ranked game on this week. There is, I think Game Day, game day chose Oregon at UCLA, which, you know what, good game, but UCLA is not ranked. It's a top 10 team versus an unranked team. Auburn also has a bye week. This is just a bad week if you're an Auburn football fan because there's, there's no good games to watch. I mean, the SEC has – I have one SEC game on this list, I believe. Yeah. And these are my top ten games of this week. They're a game that I almost put on here with Alabama-Tennessee, but I would have been so – it would have been so easy to pick one of those teams. Because there's not a chance that Tennessee puts up even 10 on Bama. It might happen. But with Hendon Hooker possibly out, I don't see Tennessee moving the ball that well. But yeah, let's get into it. Uh, My first game I have is number 16, Wake Forest. The team that is in the lead for the ACC right now, believe it or not, is traveling to play Army. Wake Forest is only a three-point favorite. But you know what? I'm going to go with the Demon Deacons here. I think that the fact that they're leading the ACC... I want them to win the ACC, so I'm going to pick them. So, let's go Demon Deeks. Uh, up next, we have Wisconsin as they travel to the number 25 Purdue Boilermakers. Wisconsin's a three-point favorite, and with their track record they have this year against ranked teams, I'm going to go with the Boilermakers here. I think that David Bell is going to go off again. I think Purdue is probably – they're not the better team of the two. I think that they don't have the best roster compared to Wisconsin, but I think that they are the better overall team, and I think they won this game. And then up next, we have Oklahoma State as they travel to Iowa State. Oklahoma State is the number eight team in the nation, and they are a seven-point underdog to the Cyclones. And despite all that, I have them going undefeated up until I think they play Oklahoma. So I'm going to go with the Cowboys here. Then we have the Oregon Ducks the number 10 team in the nation as they travel to Los Angeles to play UCLA and Chip Kelly. UCLA is a two-and-a-half-point favorite. And you know what? I'm going to go with the underdog here. Or not, not even the underdog. 
on paper, they're the underdog. I'm going to go with the Bruins here. I think DTR is the better quarterback of the two uh, between him and Anthony Brown. Even though Anthony Brown is in the Heisman uh, race right now. I think he's going to be on the ballot. Uh, but I think that Oregon has been on a downward trend ever since a few weeks ago. I trust uh, UCLA to win this game, even though it might be close. Then I have my one SEC game on here. LSU at number 12, Ole Miss. Mississippi's, uh, Ole Miss is a 10.5-point favorite. I think LSU makes it a game. I don't think they win. I think they make it a game. I'm going to go Ole Miss, but very close. I've not been impressed with Ole Miss so far or these past few weeks. I feel their defense is very vulnerable. I feel like LSU, if, if Tyrion Davis-Price is good of a game against Florida, I feel like uh, the Tigers could win this game. Up next, we have Clemson, the unranked Clemson Tigers at that. Travel to play the number 23 team in the nation, the Pitt Panthers. Pitt is a three-point favorite. You know what? Go Panthers. I don't think Clemson is going to be any good this year. I feel like they're a bowl-eligible kind of team, but where the way DJ Ungalalele has been playing and their offense in general has been playing, I just don't think there's a chance they even win the ACC this year. And if they do, I will not be happy. I must say, I really wanted a Pitt-Wake Forest uh, ACC championship because it would be really funny. Uh, then we have a game that I put on here just strictly because I could talk about their quarterback some more. Nevada at Fresno State. Uh, Fresno State is actually a four-point favorite, but I'm going to overlook that. I think Carson Strong pulls uh, pulls off the upset against Fresno State. I think the Nevada Wolfpack win this game. Very, I think they win it closer than maybe four, but I feel like Nevada can win this game. And not, not handle that. I feel like they can just win this game outright. Uh, then we have a game that I was told is a rivalry that I apparently had no idea about. Uh, the USC Trojans, as they traveled to uh, Notre Dame, the number 13 team in the nation for some reason. Uh, Notre Dame is a seven-point favorite, but if you know me, you know that I'm not a huge fan of Notre Dame. They're one of my least favorite teams in college football. And I feel like you all know where I'm going to go with this. Let's go Trojans. I feel like the Trojans can pull off the upset. I feel like they're not, they're probably not the better team. They probably have on par like talent. But I will never pick Notre Dame for as long as I work in sports. Uh, number 18, NC State, as they travel to Miami. Miami has been a very disappointing team this year. NC State is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. And... I'm going to go with the Wolfpack here. I feel like Miami is not a good team. I've said it multiple times. NC State has been playing very well, and I think they get the the win here. I think they keep up this streak that they have. I feel like they might even make a push for another for the championship spot against uh, Wake Forest. And my final game of the week that I'm going to predict is West Virginia at TCU. TCU is a five-point favorite, and you know what? A little backstory about me. My father is from West Virginia. I have a lot of good family in West Virginia, and I love them to death, but your football team is not that good. Uh, <laughs> as this gets out, I'm going to be in a lot of trouble, but your football team is just not that good. I'm going to go with the Horned Frogs here. I like TCU. I feel like they're, I like their uniforms. I like their team. I think this is the better team, and I think they win this game outright. But yeah. That's my predictions. I wish I could predict an Auburn game this week, but they are not playing. Auburn has a bye week for Ole Miss, which right now, a little spoiler for next week, 
I actually have Auburn winning that game. I think Auburn has been playing very well recently, and I think they can keep it up against Ole Miss. And I am very excited to watch this game because I want to see how Auburn's defense reacts to Matt Corral and company. But, yeah, that's all I have for the show today. And I will see all of you guys next week. Thanks for listening. If you missed any part of the show, make sure to catch the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. I'll be back next Wednesday at noon on Weagle 91.1 FM. You can follow the station's Twitter and Instagram at Weagle underscore AU for events, announcements, and more. If you can't make it to a radio, you can listen to our live stream at WeagleFM.com. As for me, come back next Wednesday at noon for more Tank Talks football.